Hello and welcome to Gentle Touch. This podcast is a place where people can learn, discover and upscale mentally, spiritually and emotionally. This show is all about breakthroughs so get ready for some good vibes, realness and lots of information. You will be joined by me, your podcast host Alejandra Castro. Some of the shows will be just me and other shows will have guests open up new perspectives and views. My passion is to inspire and educate people who feel stuck. I will show you ways you can improve your overall health by sharing powerful tools that you can implement into your daily life. Let's get started. In today's episode, we have Jane. She's a mother and pediatric sleep coach. Hi, Jane. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. How are you doing today? I'm very good. Thank you, Jane. You join us from, is it Alberta, Canada? Yes. So I am in Canada. Yeah. I live in a very small rural town in Southern Alberta, but I am born and raised in Calgary, which is a big city. Nice. Nice. I love it. Most of the guests are either from Vancouver, Niagara Falls or Toronto. Yes. Big towns. (laughs) Jane, tell me about your journey. How did this all come about? Did you know from the very beginning you wanted to become a sleep coach? No, I mean, not until I had kids. It's one of those things that until you become a mom and realize how difficult sleep can be, it's not really something that's even in your realm of possibility. Also, I think sleep coaches, sleep consulting is a very new profession. It's not something that has been around for very long. So um, yeah, I think it kind of came to be at the right time um, in terms of society being open and willing and also um, able and comfortable to say, hey, I need some help here. Um, I think there's always kind of been a stigma around asking for help. So I think the timing really worked out well. For me, I had kids myself. Um, I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. So um, I've been doing this for just for almost three years now. Um, I kind of realized this was something I wanted to do in between my two kids. Um, But previous before that, I was in the banking industry. I was a personal banker for over 12 years. And so total switch. Um, they both kind of industries allowed me to really help people and that was what brought me joy but this realm that I'm in now of helping tired parents is just the most wonderful thing I could have ever imagined for myself is 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 very niche so how did it come easy growing your business how did you know Right. Because sometimes when we when we do a business that's already been around for so long, we just kind of have inspirations and we're like, oh, yeah, they could be my mentor. But because it's so niche, how did that come about? Well, there are a lot of other sleep coaches around the world and other, you know, accounts and things that I have grown inspiration from and people who I have looked up to who have found success in this industry. Um, But I really just, I got my certification and I just jumped in with both feet more on my own. I really grew this business from the ground up by myself. I I learned how to make a website, created my own website, wrote everything myself. Um, It wasn't until very recently that I started using the income I was making to actually hire professionals, (laughs) you know, with SEO and things like that, that was just way over my pay grade and out of my realm of understanding. Um, But yeah, honestly, it's grown much faster than I ever would have expected. 
Um, I jumped in really not knowing how successful it was going to be or what success even looked like at that point. I was just, I, all I knew is that I wanted to do something that was going to bring me more passion and more joy in my own life, um, while still allowing me to now have a better life, um, work-life balance, right? Be able to spend more time with my kids and really kind of be there for them more. Um, and just to be, have a happier mom, someone who has more, more joy and more fulfillment, um, in their life. So that has been amazing for me and for my family, but yeah, it over, it's been almost three years. I think my first client was July of 2020. So coming up on three years and I've helped over 350 families in that time, which I know is real. It's mind blowing to me too. (laughs) Um, but it's been a wonderful journey. I've loved it. Wow. For the person that may not know, what is a sleep coach? Yeah. So, you know, everybody, there's so much information out there on Google and sleep is something that new parents struggle with. I mean, we all have see the hashtag tired mom and <laughs> it is real, um, but babies are born nocturnal. And so a lot of parents just really struggle right from the get go of trying to get on a, on a schedule and a routine that's long term, something that is sustainable for them where they're not waking up constantly throughout the night and, you know, babies need their help to fall asleep con- all the time. So um, a sleep coach is really just somebody who has read all the books, who knows the science behind sleep and can take your situation because every baby, take it from someone who has two kids, every baby is so different. So I've helped families of with five kids and the four kids slept well, but the fifth, they just don't know how how to crack it. Right. So um, I think just recognizing that it's okay to ask for help and to need help and to accept that you might not be the expert in everything and it's okay to hire somebody who can help you. So you don't have to spend hours doing research and reading books and testing out different approaches because you don't know which one's going to be best for you. Let's just find out what's going on, figure out what your goals are and have someone write a custom sleep plan for you that you know is going to work if you can jump in and stay consistent to it. Right. So it kind of just takes the guesswork out and gives you that emotional um, support as well as you're kind of going through the process, because it's not always an easy thing. Anytime we're changing anything, um, but changing our children's habits and trying to get them, you know, on something that's a little, like I said, more sustainable for you long term. It can. It's not always simple. Not everybody loves change, including ourselves. But I think one thing to recognize is that with babies, they are just looking to us for guidance, right? They have no idea what's going on, where they are. All of a sudden they're in this big, bright, loud world and they really just want that emotional and physical support to kind of learn to be customized to it and um, adapt to this new life that they're in. So um, really it's so much about changing your habits as a mom or dad, as it is about changing your child's because you're the one who created their habits, whether it was intentional or not. So my goal is to really, I put out a lot of free information to help people realize this and to start being more intentional about their actions and behaviors when it comes to their child and and the habits they're developing. Beautiful. For the person that that has never, no one in the circle, no one in, in the community has introduced a sleep coach to the family or anything, what would the process be like or when would they know to look for you? 
Yeah. And, you know, sleep training, um, I use quotations because I think uh, often it just immediately gets a bad rap. As soon as you hear sleep training, most people, um, especially if you're a parent, the first thing that kind of pops into your mind is the cry it out approach, cry it out method. And I want people to know that that is not the only approach. Um, and we do not need to leave your child to cry for any period of time in order to teach them how to sleep independently and to not be so reliant on you when it comes to falling asleep and staying asleep. So that's one of the first things I always like to mention, just so that that kind of immediately eases that stress and anxiety around like, oh my gosh, I can't go on another day this way, but I'm not comfortable with what I believe sleep training entails. Um, Because to be honest, I'm not comfortable with cry it out either, right? So I kind of, um, you know, gentle podcast, I consider myself a gentle sleep coach, someone who is going to allow you and, and help guide you through supporting your child through change. Um, So basically, if you're thinking about sleep training or wondering what that entails, I think the first thing you just want to look at is, is this something that's really necessary for me? Or am I okay with living the way that we are for however long, right? If you're comfortable and you're happy, and maybe there's some things that could change, but it's, but you're surviving and Um, well, hopefully thriving, fingers crossed, Um, then there's no need to change anything. Um, But if you are in this state where, oh my gosh, baby's being brought to your bed in the middle of the night every night because you can't get them back to sleep or you're feeding five times throughout the night for- That's a lot. Yeah, who doesn't need those feedings necessarily for their caloric need, right? Um, Then most likely those things have just become habits and you're probably exhausted and- you can't be your best self as a mother, but of course your or father, but of course your child can't be their best self either, right? And while they're sleeping, that's when they're releasing the human growth hormone. That's when they're growing. That's when they're absorbing all that wonderful information you're teaching them during awake time throughout the day. Um, and that's when their cell repair cell repair happens. So if they're teething, that's when their gums are going to start to feel better. If they're sick, that's when their you know their body's going to repair itself. So ensuring that your child is meeting their sleep requirements should be um, a, a goal for sure. It should be a primary goal for you. Um, And if that's not happening or the quality isn't there, then you're going to see the effects. And and that's where, you know, the the sleep deprivation and and exhaustion comes in. And if you're a new parent, a new mom in particular, you're going dealing with a slew of other things going on, postpartum hormones and body changes, family dynamic changes. You have your spouse there too, like things so much changes when a baby comes into the picture. But for you, physically getting that sleep and ensuring that you know your mental health is in check too is so important for the mom that's a new mom when can she tell something is a habit because sometimes you get used to a pattern and a way that you're like oh the baby's hungry the baby needs it and it's like no that's a habit yeah I think it's just uh, learning what your baby's cries mean there are about 15 different cries that babies use. Yeah. And and, uh, with some time and some practice, of course, it won't happen immediately. But over time, just try and listen for your baby's cries and how they differ from one another. Because there are gas cries, there are hunger cries, there are just I need you cries, there's sad cries, right? So being able to kind of decipher that really does help. Um, But one thing to just remember, especially if you're a brand new mom, is that the newborn phase, um, also called the fourth trimester, is not the time to be worrying and stressing about habits and, um, you know, the future. At this point, your child 
is born three months too early. That's why we call it the fourth trimester because your child wishes they were still inside you yeah. for another three months. Humans are actually the only mammals that are born too early because we could not hold them for any longer. <laughs> but you know, most mammals are born and they can walk. You know, horses, they're born and, and right away within a day they or an hour, they can start walking, right? So we need to guide our children through that, that phase of the fourth trimester and not stress too much about habits. Um, and they will likely be contact napping and need a lot of support from you. And they will use hunger or sorry, uh, milk as a comforting tool. That's totally fine. Once we hit that four month regression, that's when developmentally your child is capable of more. So at that point, that's when we can say, okay, if we are now feeding our child to sleep and you're past the four month regression into five or six months and they don't know how to put themselves to sleep without being fed, then we can say confidently, this has become a habit. That's nice. just an example. Yeah, an example. Um, and, and as well, like attention to detail and using your intuition, right? Because sometimes, like you say, there's 15 different types of screens. So just learning to pick that up and paying attention to detail. Um, how long does it take? So from the moment is every baby's different, right? A little bit. Generally, if you are jumping into a sleep training plan, um, and, and honestly, anytime you're changing your child's sleep hygiene, so let's say they're dropping from three naps down to two, okay. you're going to be changing their schedule, you're going to be asking a little bit more of them. Technically, you're sleep training. It, because they're you're changing something for them and they need to learn to adapt to that. Um, so anytime you're kind of introducing a new change, even if you're moving, like you're going to see a bit of regression or vacation, things like that, and you will need to kind of get back to being consistent so that you can get them back on track. So if you are jumping into sleep training and your child has these really deeply rooted habits of being rocked to sleep or fed yeah. to sleep, um, usually we can start to see progress in about three to five days. So That's very quick. Yeah, it can be quick. It's almost like, um, you know, if you're smoking, if you're if you smoke cigarettes, they say it takes three days for the physical addiction to go away. And then after that, it's just that oral fixation and the mental aspect. So with our children, because they're so young, they're so malleable, they absorb information so much. Infants under a year, they learn up to a, they absorb and learn up to 100 words a day. So they we need to give them a little bit more credit, they can absorb and learn new things quite quickly but it, the biggest thing is that we on our end are being consistent to really guide them through that to say okay we're not doing feeding you to sleep anymore or xyz instead this is what we're doing and the more consistent you are with showing them the new habit the quicker they'll adapt to it so um in terms of the full length of program some coaches do two weeks um, okay. i personally do three uh, because we're using more gentle approaches, sometimes it does take a little bit longer to see that, okay, they're sleeping through the night, but we can still get that done in two to three weeks. Wow, powerful. That's beautiful. What is a wake window? A wake window. Oh, great question. So <clears throat> a wake window or a wake time, um, a wake window, a few different terms you may have read or seen. Basically, what that refers to is the amount of time that your child is awake for, but out of their sleep space. So we count, we start counting our wake window from when you remove your child from the crib to when you lay them back down for the next nap or bedtime. Mm 
Um, and what happens during that awake time is that sleep pressure gets built up. So if you can imagine a balloon um, starts deflated and, and once you get them out of the crib, that noise and the light, that stimulation is going to build up sleep pressure. Okay. Just like for us. So for us, we can go all day. And then once yeah. our bedtime hits, that balloon is full. We need to go to sleep so that we can deflate it. Our children, depending on ages, they will need naps throughout the day to be able to relieve some of that sleep pressure. And in between your naps is you're going to inflate your balloon, deflate your balloon, inflate your balloon, deflate your balloon. Because as children, their balloon is much smaller. So depending on your child's age, there are suggested guidelines around how long your child should be awake for. So as an example, at six months of age, the wake window would be on average two and a half hours. Now, we're not trying to make your child fit into that mold, but we're going to use that wake window guideline to guide us yeah. towards finding an appropriate time and what your child's sweet spot is for their personal wake window. Beautiful. Thank you for explaining that. I saw that from one of your posts. Say, for example, if we're if our routine is disrupted, we're on vacation, mm -hmm. um, different environment, new setting, maybe different weather, will this have an effect? Yeah, absolutely. Even for me, you know, my kids have been sleeping through the night since four months old. Whoa, that's beautiful. <laughs> Well, and I obviously put in a lot of work to make that happen. There are unicorn babies, but it's pretty rare for the most part. You know, if someone said, oh my gosh, you're so lucky your baby sleeps so well. I'm like, girl, this ain't luck. <laughs> We've worked really hard to get here. And I know my clients can attest to that too. It's not always easy. Um, and it does take a lot of thoughtfulness and intention to ensure that, you know, we're following those windows. We're laying your child down at the appropriate time. <clears throat> Um, what, can you repeat your question to me? Because I, I totally went on a tangent. <laughs> um, oh, vacation. So oh, yeah. say for example, yeah. So even my children who are amazing sleepers, we still hit regressions. If we go on vacation, usually it will take a couple of days to adjust to your new location, your new environment. And then once you get back home, a couple of days to get back into your routine there. So if you have a baby who is sleep trained and you have that solid sleep foundation, you can, you can easily get back to it. Um, but if your child is not sleep trained and all of a sudden they're in a new space and now you're co-sleeping because they refuse the playpen and, you know, it is definitely possible to go through vacations or, um, sicknesses and things like that and come out and come home with new habits or okay. further back than you were yeah. when you left. Okay. Wow. That's a good point to know. Um, you mentioned sleep progression. What is sleep progression? Yeah, so there are some really common bigger sleep regressions that occur. Generally, I mentioned the four-month regression. That one is a really big one. It has to do with your child's brain development. So in the newborn phase, they don't have all their sleep cycles yet. Their body is not naturally producing melatonin. They're getting that from mom's milk um, or formula. And melatonin is the sleep hormone that helps us fall asleep and stay asleep. So that hormone also is now being produced as of the four month regression. So again, that's why we want to wait until the four month regression before we jump into any type of sleep habits and sleep training, because before that they really are not developmentally ready. So the four month regression is a pretty big one. Lots of brain developments going on there. Um, sometimes there's one around six months. That one tends to be a little bit shorter and not every baby's going to hit that. But around six months is when separation anxiety can start to occur because they're starting to notice distance between you and them. Wow. Yeah. And then the eight to 10 month regression is a pretty big one. It has to do with 
physical development. So they'll start crawling and sitting up. Uh, maybe they can pull themselves up in the crib, but they don't know how to get down yet. So there can be a bit of a tricky time there. Um, and then the 12 month regression, again, separation anxiety. Sometimes there's one around two years, again, behavioral, just sort of testing limits. But those bigger regressions can last several weeks. So it does, it can be fairly shocking if you weren't expecting it when all, it's just all of a sudden sleep is getting a lot more difficult and it lasts for a really long time. Usually two to four weeks is what we can expect. If your child, like I said, has that solid sleep foundation, we're probably on the lower end, probably be a, you know, a week or two versus potentially up to a month. Wow, nice. Thank you for explaining that. How important is setting a bedtime? So if you've heard the term circadian rhythm, um, in other words, your internal body clock, having a set bedtime and a set wake up time is going to help instill that that internal body clock for them. So we want their body to recognize what time they're going to go to sleep. So generally, you know, newborns, they do have a witching hour in the late evening. So we might see their bedtime be later, maybe 10, 9 or 10 p.m. That's normal. But once we hit that four-month phase, we want to start bringing bedtime back down. That witching hour is gone. It's now earlier in the day. Now it's going to be around 4 to 6 p.m. Right when you're trying to get dinner ready, which is yeah. great. <laughs> um, <clears throat> But generally, I would recommend your bedtime be between about 6.30 and 8 p.m. And I usually recommend deciding on when that's going to be based on your family dynamic and what time you need them up in the morning. If you're on maternity leave, maybe you do 8 to 8 because you want to sleep in a little bit and you want dad to be able to see baby when you get home, yeah. have a little bit of quality time. But some people have older children and they need to be up by 7 to get to daycare or get to school or you have to go to work because, you know, you're back at work yourself. So um, in those scenarios, maybe you do have to do a little bit of an earlier bedtime based on what time you need to wake up. So a few variables you can kind of use to determine what's going to be best for your family. But like I said, between 6.30 and 8 is a good time frame to aim for. After 8 p.m., um, most babies are going to get a cortisol dump. And cortisol is a stress hormone. So if you go past that 8 p.m. bedtime, you may notice that your child gets ramped up with energy. Um, and that would be why. So you might struggle to get them down for sleep if it is too too late of a bedtime. Um, but the other thing that's great about or, or why we want to stick with the consistent bedtime um, is I also want to mention just the bedtime routine. Because though that you want a really consistent, um, simple bedtime routine. Okay, so one that anybody can replicate anywhere. So if you're on vacation, it's very easy. If you're at a friend's house, you can you can bring a playpen and put them down there. Or if you have a babysitter, so you can go on a date night. You want to just say, okay, you're going to do these five things. Keep it simple. Here, twinkle, twinkle is the bedtime song. You know, something that everybody knows and anybody can replicate. And you're not giving them a novel of what they have to do as a to do list before bedtime. Um, and, and you want that to be about 30 minutes long. So and those repetitive actions are going to signal to your your child that, oh, I know what this means. I recognize this. This means sleep is coming and their body will naturally start preparing for sleep. So again, a consistent bedtime routine and a consistent bedtime is going to be very beneficial. Your child will fall asleep with a lot more ease. Beautiful. With regards to the bedtime routine and the 30 minutes, does that include the bath as well? Or is that after the bath, like 30 yeah. minutes after the bath? Or, or can we join it all together? It would be, um, I wouldn't include the bath time in okay. your bedtime routine total. 
time. Um, first of all, depending on where you are, you know, here in Canada, we have really dry weather. Most people here don't do not do baths every single night because it dries okay. our skin out. Um, but I've had clients in Taiwan and in Bangkok. It's very hot there. They have to bathe their babies every day because they're sweaty. <laughs> so depending on where you are location wise, this is something that, you know, you would need to consider for yourself. But I generally say if you're doing a bath every single night at bedtime, then they're going to expect that. So again, if you're at your friend's house for dinner and you want to put like sleep there or go home at 11 p.m. and just put them down for bed, you don't necessarily want to say, hey, can I borrow your bathtub? Is that cool? Um, but anyways, if you choose to do that, that is totally a personal choice. Um, but I would limit the bath to about five minutes, like less than 10 for sure. Cause we don't want it to be full of energy. We're not practicing swimming. We're just going to clean ourselves and have a kind of a relaxing time if we can. Um, obviously the older they get, the more opinion they're going to have on that <laughs> playing with that toys and things. But our goal is to try and keep it low energy so that we're not ramping them up too much right before we're trying to put them down for bed. I love that. And, um, Okay, so this would include like books, rhymes, anything else? Like, would that include toys as well? No, not toys necessarily. I would recommend keeping the toys pre, uh, before bedtime routine. So here's what I would recommend for your bedtime routine. The first thing, and this might surprise some people, I always recommend feeding at the very beginning. Okay, so if you're going to do a bath, maybe you do bath and then feed. So I always did feed and then bath, but those two don't matter too much. But the main thing is that we're feeding approximately 30 minutes before bedtime okay. instead of right before sleep, because our goal with that is to really disassociate those two events. We don't want your child to now believe that they need to be fed to sleep because then when they wake up in the night, they're going to call for you to come and feed them again. And they might just need that as a comforting tool more so than for their growth, right? And caloric need for the day. So we want to kind of break those two things up so that that belief in their mind doesn't start. Um, but the other reason is that milk does, the calcium in milk will convert over to melatonin, but that process takes a little bit of time, about 30 minutes. So with that, actually feeding at the beginning will give them the most benefit to actually fall asleep at bedtime. So I would feed first, um, then let's change their diaper, give it a change, get them into their PJs, maybe read a book or sing a nursery. Um, the last thing that you want to do is put them into their sleep sack. Okay. If your baby is a newborn, then we'll swaddle them. Um, we do want to stop swaddling though at 12 weeks or when your child starts showing signs of rolling, whichever okay. happens first. Yeah. Okay. So if they hit 12 weeks, but they haven't started rolling, we still want to switch them into a sleep sack. One of my children rolled for the first time in the night, like put them down on their back, woke up in the morning and they were on their tummy and they had never done that before. So thankfully I had unswaddled already, but if, if not, then there are, her arms would have been swaddled down and then there's some risk there so we do want to make sure just for their safety that we get them out of that swat that swaddle and into a sleep sack at the appropriate time um, but with the sleep sack whether you have a zip up one or a button one um, that really acts as like an auditory cue to their brain that okay the more you do that last um, the more they will recognize okay now I know I'm about to get set down my children used to be full of energy um, during the bedtime routine and as soon as I'd get them in that sleep sack they would just melt into my because they knew okay this means I need to settle down now oh wow beautiful I saw one of your posts the rule of two so yeah. take two naps and then it should not exceed two hours 
Yes. So if your child is on one nap a day, you know, it's generally between 12 and 18 months is when they're going to drop down to one nap. And at that point, you don't need to cap it at two hours. At that point, they could sleep for up to three hours for that one nap a day. Um, But if your child is taking two or more naps a day, we don't want that one nap, one single nap to exceed two hours, because otherwise it will throw off the rest of your schedule. And it's almost like if you or I, you know, for adults, the recommended nap time, if you are going to take a nap, is 20 to 30 minutes. If you were to sleep for an hour or two hours in the middle of the day, you would find that you would struggle to fall asleep at bed, at bedtime. Same thing would go for our children. So we do want to make sure if they're taking two or more naps a day, that not one single nap is going to exceed that two hour time limit. Nice, beautiful, because sometimes we'll be like, oh, baby's tired. We'll just let them sleep. And, and then when it comes to bedtime, it's like, what is going on? Yeah. Um, or even the next nap they might fight. Exactly. So you have two girls, 19 months apart. Any tips? Um, One tip would be if you are, uh, you know, you're going to be putting a lot of energy into your newborn or your younger child while they're nursing and, you know, needing a lot from you, very immobile. So one thing I always did was I had a special box for my toddler, my year and a half year old, when I was feeding or changing diapers or whatever, mostly nursing, because you can't get up and do a whole lot during that time. And you're kind of stuck sitting there nursing until your child is done. Um, I would get a special box of toys that were just for that moment for, for those times. So she had something that was really distracting and exciting for her because they were toys she was not playing with typically. Um, and that would give her something to distract her for that 20 minutes or whatever I needed to be able to get done what I, I had to do. That is amazing. And say, for example, when you're cleaning the house or when you're out shopping, any tips? Baby wear. <laughs> it, it, during the newborn phase in particular, I needed my hands free. So I had my newborn strapped to my chest a lot. Um, my second child was colicky as well. So she really, I really struggled to put her down anyways, because, okay. you know, laying down on their back can be kind of painful for them if they're, if they're experiencing yeah. that reflex reflux. Um, so I had her on my chest strapped in a baby wear carrier um, a lot. And that was really helpful. Um, it allowed me to clean the house to get make snacks for my toddler and, and gave me a lot more flexibility. Um, and then just I guess enjoy as much of it as you can. Time guys goes by super fast. It is a whirlwind having kids super close together. Um, It's busy and it's difficult, but it is. Does it get easy? It gets easier as they get older. Absolutely. And and my kid, like I wanted my kids on close together. It was intentional. Um, I have two older siblings and we're all three years apart. So I'm like six and a half year gap between my oldest sister and myself and to me we grew up in such different eras yeah yeah absolutely that we were you know we had each other but not in the same way so I wanted my kids to be much closer together um just so happened we got pregnant on our first try with our second so they were closer to you girl I know. Uh, we were very lucky in that sense. But um, yeah, I was nine months pregnant or nine months postpartum when I got pregnant with my second. Um, but it's it's worked out wonderfully. And they're the best of friends now. And they'll be, you know, one grade apart growing up, which I think will be great for them. Lovely. What do you think of birthing, birthing classes? So I did a birthing class with my first because I didn't know what to expect. And, you know, you just kind of want to get all the information you could. But also, I think the main reason I did it was to meet other moms and other 
people who were having children around the same time. So you can go to the playgrounds together and stuff. And I did meet a couple of really great friends who I'm still connected with from that and five years later. So that was the biggest thing I got out of it. What was funny from when I did it is that, um, you know, it was 10 classes, 10 weeks of classes. And wow. they made it, yeah, they made it so that everybody was due around to within two weeks. Wow. Um, so you had people that were really going through exactly the same thing as you, which was great. Um, but we were supposed to have our babies like near the end of the sessions. And I happened to have mine five weeks early. So I came to the second class with child in hand. And then we're talking about like, how do you write a sleep or a birth plan? What are our birth plans? How like, let's practice giving birth. I'm like, I've kind of done this already. <laughs> so it didn't, I didn't gain a lot. The main thing I gained out of it was just friendship. But honestly, that was worth it to me. I think if it gives, if it eases your anxiety and helps you prepare mentally and emotionally and physically for what's going to come, I think everybody should use as many resources as they can, whether that's doulas, speech pathologists, psychologists, pelvic floor specialists, physios, sleep coaches, um, all of it will be beneficial to you. And here in Canada, at least, we have so many free resources that people don't take advantage of. And it is just, it is a shame because, you know, there's a lot more help yeah. out there than people realize. That's so beautiful with regards to the birthing classes because it creates a sense of community, right? Absolutely. Sometimes when we go through that journey alone and it's like, who do I lean to? Who do I ask for advice? Who can I speak to that is going through the same thing? So that creates, especially to for everyone to be due around the same time. Obviously yours came early, but you're in that bubble. You can rely mm. on each other for support and just, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Um, I lost my track of thought now. Oh, I was going to ask you, is there a difference in service? So, so you have two, so you have one from zero to 18 months yeah. and then you have 18 months to four years old. Yes. Um, this, the, in terms of the package and support that I offer, it is the same, but the reason we kind of sep separate them is because the toddler, they're just so different, right? When it okay. comes to babies like zero to 18 months, it's so much about wake windows and scheduling and sleep pressure and sleep environment. Like, okay. and all of those things do matter later on as well. But for toddlers, it's more behavioral. It's more about emotional, right? And so um, it, it is a different journey for sure. Uh, so that would be why I kind of break those up into different categories um, because it's a totally different realm at that point. Do you think it's super late if we come to you at, three, four years old? Yes. Or not? Yeah? I do. I've had, I've had babies or children, toddlers um, that are three, four, five years old that I've helped um, that have only ever co-slept and contact napped and, you know, depending on the ages, whether yeah. they're napping or not, but they've never not slept with the parent. And now parents are coming and saying, we can't do this anymore. We need to get them into their own room, um, which is a huge change for the entire family. And, you know, so much about sleep training, like I said, is about changing parents' habits as much as the baby, the child's. Yeah. So it is a kind of a full overhaul when you're going through something an experience like that. Um, but I am happy to support them and help them get their bed back. And the babies, the children end up being so much happier once they get over that hump of, you know, realizing what the, there's change occurring. They do realize generally that they're happier sleeping in their own space. 
how long can that hump be because like you say it affects everyone it affects the relationship it affects the whole dynamics in the bedroom the privacy the routine with the baby as well completely everything yeah, there's, I mean, in that scenario, specifically, that would be a big change for everybody involved. Um, and it really depends on how stubborn or versus adaptable the child is. Oh. So we really don't know um, how it's all going to go and how long it's going to take um, until we jump in and see how the child reacts. Because, you know, you and I can have the best intentions going into it, but yeah. your child also has a mind of their own. They are not a sack of potatoes they have uh, emotions and opinions and, yeah opinions on what we're doing right so sometimes they surprise us and they're a lot more adaptable than we thought they were going to be sometimes it goes the other way and they're a lot more stubborn than we thought right so um it that's why it's a three-week support because things are going to go up and down and change a lot during that journey um so having that bouncing board and that cheerleader and that, you know, support going through that is what most people find most beneficial. I can give you the plan and you can run with it. But once you hit that, that roadblock, knowing how to get over it is the part where not all parents know, right? So that's why reading a Google article or reading a book, it's going to tell you how to jump in and what to follow, but it's not necessarily always enough. Yeah. And there's nothing like that one-on-one, -on -one. like, because sometimes when we've never done something before, we might go back on our thoughts. We'll be like, but I don't, we have that insecurity within us. So when yeah. we do it one-on-one, -on -one, there's always that reassurance. There's always that support. There's always that guidance as well. When it comes to an individual that wants to become a sleep coach, what do they need to do? Well, you would need to get certified. So there's lots of institutions. Um, it's all online. I'm sure there's maybe some in person somewhere, but most you can just do it online at your own okay. pace. Um, and it's a, it's a few months, you know, and if you really hunker down like I did, I did it during COVID right when March 2020 hit. And well done, girl. You're so productive. Yeah, I dug my heels in and did it right then. And I powered through it because my husband was also off work and at home with so I had help with the kids and I was on maternity leave. So um, yeah, so I, I finished it in, I think, six weeks or something and just jumped wow. in. Um, but what you do need your accreditation, um, just because I mean, maybe people would trust you without it. But honestly, having that knowledge to refer to um, and to really know what you're doing is, is important. So understanding the science behind sleep and different ages, different approaches mm -hmm. and all of that is necessary. Beautiful. Jane, what is your favorite book? Oh, I really love reading like thrillers. If okay. I be honest, but um, probably one of my, I, I really do enjoy um, personal development books as well. Atomic Habits is probably. I have favorite. that book. I haven't read it yet. James Clear is very, very good. Um, it helped me just on my day-to-day -day routine, find more success and more joy at the end of the day, just feeling like I accomplished a lot more um, and just continuously striving to be a better person and to better my business and to better my family, but mostly just to better myself. Cause as long as, you know, I'm 1% better each, each day is, yeah. is kind of my overall goal so that I can be my best for everybody else. I love that. What is your favorite movie? Oh, interstellar is a great one. Um, my all time favorite movie would be clueless. Ooh. I know every single word to that movie. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah. Um, it, but it's I have a to fun say, movie. Oh, it's the best movie ever. Um, and as a mom, now we watch a lot of like Pixar and stuff. And the Pixar movies these days are really great and like built made for adults as well, I think. So I like it. I love it. If you had a billboard on the side of the highway, what would it say? I mean, it would be for my business. <laughs> It'd be advertising for sure. Um, I think the main thing I like would want to get out to the world is that sleep training does not mean leaving your child to cry and we can emotionally support them. So I don't know what the slogan or the tagline would be, but it would be something about to that effect. I love it. Knowing where you are now, what advice would you give to your younger self that was working in the banking industry? It would be um, to, be to believe in myself um, and that the best is yet to come, um, that when the timing is right, everything will fall into place and you will never be happier, but you got to go through some crap first to figure out who you are and what you really want. I love it. I started doing this thing where my previous guest now leaves a question for my following guests. So my previous guest asked you, okay, are <laughs> you ready? Are okay. you great? Are you grateful for the difficult times in your life? I am. Yeah. I think what I kind of just alluded to confirms that I've been through a lot. Um, the whole reason I kind of got into this realm was because, or, you know, of sleep coaching is because I was a former insomniac. Um, I really struggled with depression my yeah. whole life really. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm divorced. I went through a pretty messy marriage before that was not healthy for me. Um, so I've been through quite a bit. Um, but I know that I wouldn't be where I am today without it. So I, I live with no regrets. Um, you know, it, it sucks that I had to endure some of those experiences, but I know I'm stronger for it today. And the fact that I'm here now doing what I'm doing and as happy as I am, to me, it was all worth it. Perfect. So while I ask you some other things, do you think about a question you will leave for my other guests, for my next guest? Okay. Um, Jane, tell us about your services, your socials. How can we support you? Yeah, thank you. Um, so my Instagram and Facebook, my handle everywhere is at Counting Sheep with Jane. Um, and my website is Counting Sheep Consulting. Again, I am located in Canada, but I've, as I mentioned, I've serviced people all over the world. I have other sleep coaches on my team and we all have different hours that we're available. So, um, you know, our evening, our nine o'clock is your 7am. No problem. We can make that work. Um, and, uh, you know, book a free call. Let's just chat. Talk to tell me what's going on. And we'll go from there and see how we can support you and what your goals are. Um, if you're looking for free resources, please check out my website. Again, that's Counting Sheep Consulting. I've got tons of really helpful blogs. Um, and on my Instagram, I do a free Q&A on Wednesdays. So today's Wednesday, I'm up there answering questions for you guys for free, giving you some solid advice. So uh, yeah, check me out there. Does the packages, uh, does it differ? Say, for example, if we go to you with a baby that's, with a toddler that's three to four years old compared to a baby that's eight months? Yeah, there's a, so I do have those two categories, zero to okay. 18 and then 18 months and older. Um, and there is a little bit of a price difference there. It's fairly minimal, but like I said, it's just because the effort and the strategy is a little bit different given those different age groups. Yeah. Beautiful. Would you ever write a book? I would. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, 
it's that would be a long long term goal. I've got some short term goals that I want to um, succeed with first. But yeah, I think that is something that I would do. Beautiful. Would you ever start a podcast? That's the first thing I'm doing. <laughs> Good on you, girl. Good. Yeah, on I think this summer I will have that up and running. I'm just on the in the process of onboarding a new sleep coach, and once she's up and running, then the podcast is my next feat. Amazing. Beautiful. Yeah, exactly. Jane, I just wanted to say a great big thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for educating us. And thank you for the work you do because um, like you do, you actually take the time. You actually care. Like even if it's, um, I went on your socials, on your Instagram, you have a thousand posts, girl, a thousand posts. I was just like, wait, well, and you're so creative about it. I saw the reels with the music and it's, it's, it's so enjoyable to watch. And as well, um, even community answering questions you show up your website is beautifully put as well and your pictures are beautiful as well you have a beautiful family so thank you thank you so much for the work that you do thank you so much that means a lot perfect wow that's a deep question oh, <laughs> i love it i don't even come up with these questions i love it hope you guys enjoyed this podcast and found this podcast useful if you did be sure to leave a five-star review on apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening and joining Gentle Touch. I'll see you in the next episode. Want to get in touch? Feel free to send me a DM on Instagram. Link is in the description. Be sure to follow and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you are on. Stay tuned and keep listening. Much love.